Yes, yes. So we have audio and video good. Can you hear me okay? Can I can okay? hear you loud and clear. And you can hear me good? I can hear you good. Excellent. Great. You're looking very, very well. California sunshine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had sun today, but we haven't had, it's mainly been rain. Uh. Um, so thank you so much for saying you'd um, have this conversation for this. What is <laughs> thank you for inviting me. Thank you for inviting me. Mutual. Um, um, I, I think I probably told you the first time we met, I, which was quite some time ago. And I, and I was trying to think, was it a coffee shop? I seem to remember. And I can't remember how we met. Yes, I remember. Uh, I think I do. You never know. Um, <laughs> we met. Um, you were giving a talk put on by our friend. What's his name? Oh, um, Neil. 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 Neil Rogan. So I met you at talk, and then we met afterwards at a coffee shop in Novato with you and your lady. That's right. That's right. And it was well. It, well, you know, you 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 said it was an honor. That was an honor for me because I'm sure I would have told you at the time. In the 80s i'm thinking i was living in a little community and your global brain video in particular was just like on the whole time so you were this kind of figure and then suddenly there you were sharing a coffee with me so and and now we're here talking and then yeah. since then of course we've met a numbers of times and yeah. uh, at, at um, sand conferences and things yeah what i want to do if um you're uh, up for playing which i'm going to guess you are um is just start off a conversation and see where we end up. Lovely. Uh, and I'd like to start it like this, which is on, I looked at your website today, nipped out and had an, another look at it. And you had on there, and I don't know if this is up to date every day, but it said you are 27,516 days old. Yes. Which is a magnificent way of thinking about it, which makes you about 5,000 5, days older than me, I think, roughly. <laughs> uh, and what this, this, what this series is about is, is an excuse for me to talk with people I admire like yourself and go, okay, so in that 27,500 days, what the hell have you made of this? What, what do you think it is? Right. <laughs> Many levels, layers we could explore there, yes. Yeah. What, come, what layer comes first to mind for you? Ah, oh, I mean, it's about... For me, I would say the journey of awakening. It's the journey of discovery, journey of self-discovery, along with, you know, a personal journey of discovery of the world, my interest in that and how it works, and then all the, the complexity of it all as well. And ah, how to become a better human being, how to, oh, yeah, many, many directions. And, you know, there's the big cosmic perspective. You know, here we are, this tiny, 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 tiny dot in a huge, unbelievably huge, we don't know how big, cosmos which we don't know what it's about anyway and and do you have from that just i mean there's so much in there i, I want to hear more about but do you have in that that sense of of maybe it's the cosmological bit maybe it's something else like 
if this is a journey of awakening, do you have an overall sense of what, how you conceive of the nature of existence? I do from, I mean, mine is from a philosophical point of view or scientific point of view, really scientific in terms of everything, consciousness being fundamental, consciousness being fundamental to the cosmos, but even consciousness being the wrong word. Um, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I'm, I'm and that, very intrigued is, to hear what you mean by that, because I like that. Right. And what we think of objective reality doesn't exist, but there is a reality. There is an objective reality, but it is absolutely, totally unlike what we think it is. And there is, in a sense, no thing there, but there is there is information there which we experience. So that's sort of getting into the more scientific, philosophical point of view, but I can elaborate mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Okay, so, so uh, uh, yeah, please, maybe, and, and maybe start with that, uh, you said it's consciousness, but consciousness is the wrong word, so that really intrigues right. me. Yeah, 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 because that's been a fundamental interest in my life, is yeah. consciousness, whether it's the big picture or my own consciousness. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. well, that, and that's where we're, 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 the, we're the same. That's, that's... Okay, and how long do we go, an hour is it, roughly? Yeah, an hour, is that okay? Yeah, whatever. I mean, so we're not. We don't have a fixed time. We've got to end on the dot for something. No, with no, there's no scheduling. We, it's it's just just to capture our conversation, really, and Great. to uh, and have some fun. Lovely. Okay, so take it away. Oh, we've started. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I wasn't on my best behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> right so what is conscious or why i think consciousness is the wrong word yes yeah. um it's a noun and that leads us into thinking there is some thing called consciousness yes um, which is the whole i think the whole trap of how science looks at this subject it looks for what is consciousness in the world of things and how does the thing of consciousness arise out of all the other things we know about, which is, I think, completely the wrong approach. Yes. When we add N-E-S-S -S to a word, we're taking an adjective. And N-E-S-S -S means, if you look it up in a dictionary, it means the state or quality of. So happiness is the state of being happy. Softness is the quality of being soft. Consciousness, we can say, is the state or quality of being conscious. So it's not a thing. It, it refer, it's an abstract noun. We create these abstract nouns in order to talk about things or non-things. We all know what it means to be happy, but there's no such thing as happiness. It's just a way of talking about being happy. We create a noun so that we can use it in our conversation. In the same way with consciousness, we've created a noun so that we can talk about it in conversation. But what it actually means is the fact, the quality of being conscious or the state of being conscious. And that is something we all know. We don't need to go looking for it or defining it. It is the one thing we absolutely know for sure. I mean, the one thing now, this could, I could be in the matrix with you now. But even if this was all some, you know, virtual reality created in the matrix, I am still experiencing it. There is still experience happening. So yeah. consciousness 
is always there. It's the fundamental aspect of our experience. And it is beyond any doubt whatsoever. Everything else is doubtable. I mean, that's what Descartes was getting Descartes, at. Yeah, I think so. When he, when he started to look at yeah, his meditation was, what is the one thing I cannot, he was looking for truth. Yeah. And he said, what is it I cannot doubt? And he could yeah. to doubt everything, his experience, his thoughts, everything. He could not doubt that he was thinking, that he was doubting. And therefore, what he could not doubt was, I am. That's the fundamental. He could not doubt his being this I am. Yeah. So we don't need to start looking for how it comes out of the material world. All of the material world, everything we know about it, we understand about it, we observe about it, is all an experience. It's all something we are conscious of. It is all an appearance and activity in consciousness. Everything we know about it, I'm not saying out there is but everything we know about it is an experience in our consciousness so that's why i think the word consciousness it is you know i will use it as a way of talking about things but recognizing it is not some entity that exists somewhere in the or within us in our heads in our brain i'm just so delighted to hear you say this peter because i haven't heard anyone else say this and i've got myself in a little bit of trouble with with some parts of the especially the non-dual community over the last few years because uh, it's felt to me again like consciousness like is the wrong word, or and uh, and the the I've been been trying to say look I think it's it's like it's a, it's a reification of a a verb really you've turned you've turned exactly. a verb into a thing exactly and, and that's yeah. the mistake and I sometimes talk about it well. With, a bit mouthful with consciousness, but with awareness. I, I use awareness and consciousness in a similar way. But I say there is a wearing. A wearing is there is a wearing. And in yes. the awareing is is all that I know and experience, my, my personal reality. Because what strikes me with that that thing as a verb is that um, like you said, what I'm what I'm conscious of or awareing is all that I know in any one moment. It's it's what everything I can pick out, in, both in the psyche and in, in, and in the material world. But I'm also aware from uh, paying attention that I'm taking in a whole load of stuff unconsciously. Yeah. And yeah. that, you know, so if someone shouts help outside, it's like I'm there, my attention goes there or, you know, I'm not conscious of my feet, but I am now because I've thought of them and so on. Uh, and then, and, and, well, huge amount of unconscious information. So it, it feels like it's a relationship that the awareing or the con- being conscious of is a is a is a particular relationship between that I have between me and and the world. It's a it's a uh, and I mean I, I'll just say it because I don't know where it'll take us. But and w- one of the one of the things that's been really intriguing me since last we met really is the idea of n- this not being one but this being the one in relationship with itself through mm-hmm. everything and therefore everything being relational, right from like relational physics, right the way up to I am conscious of, and there's yeah. a relationship here and yeah. that that might be a really important aspect of working out what the hell this is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, even, I mean, when we say I am conscious of again, 
when we deconstruct that a little, we find again that is misleading because it assumes there is a separate I that is conscious of something. Um, I think when we boil it down, what we really mean by I deep, deep down is this feeling of being aware. Yeah, and I'm not talking about the personal self, the Peter Russell self. You know, when we go deep inside the, and say, what does I point to? That I that's always there all the way through my life. It's, it's pointing to the fact that I am aware that, but not that I, not that I am aware of anything, but I am aware. So there is, there is a wearing going on. And that wearing takes the form of the, it's like, the old analogy of um, ripples on water or waves on water. There's water and it's blown by the wind and we see waves and we, we think of the waves as things, as ripple, or this wave is going there. It's just water in motion. And the same thing with consciousness, as I use the word, it is, it is in aware, awareness has been stirred by our thoughts, by what we see, feel, and that stirring appears as the forms, the experiences, the thoughts, whatever that we are aware of. But it's actually, that's where it's tricky. It's like, it's a stirring of the I that is aware. So there's actually, I don't think fundamentally, there's not a distinction of I am aware. There is, I am aware of this. There is a wearing of this. So that, that I am aware is, you know, if you're talking about non-dualism, I think that's, that's the essence of it, but it's a very difficult concept to wrap our head around. So I don't usually go there too much. I think that's ultimately what we're talking about. But, you know, in language, you say, I am aware of this. So the relation is almost, it's a relation between itself and itself. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, uh, exactly. That's, that seems, and, and, the rela and, and, and everything which has form or, or, or anything which is, seems to be the relational. So that yeah. so that the everything's coming from that one in relationship to itself. Every quality is that, even right down to um, mathematics. But I've wondered. Let me try. Let me see what see what. I'd be fascinated to know what you make of this. I, I've struggled, which is why I picked up again right at the beginning when you said about conscious not being the right word. I've really struggled because what you've explained then so beautifully is um, very resonant with what's in nearly all of my books. And I've now kind of come to the place where I, I'm not happy with it. Mm. And, which has been a tricky transition, <laughs> but I'm making it. I, I've been through a similar one, but I've been probably not parallel to yours. Anyway, tell me. Yes. Oh, well, I'd love to, I want to hear about that because it's quite a big thing when you kind of, you know, and, and it looks like it's about a word, but it's obviously it's not. It's about how you understand things. Because what strikes me is that the word that, that I've ended up wanting to use is the word, the old Greek word, being. Yeah. Because it feels like, look, look, there's a oneness of being. Everything has, there's one quality that everything has. It has being. And I, so I wonder when I'm conscious of that thing, when you say I'm, I, I'm conscious mm -hmm. that I'm aware, I wonder whether it's that it has some intrinsic quality of being aware, or rather there is something even simpler, which is just simply a field of being, if you will, within which everything is arising in the way that you're talking about. And the forms that arise within it become conscious and are then conscious of being, which is why I'm conscious of being now, but tonight I probably won't be. And why most of what I'm taking in, I'm not conscious of. 
and it's relational. That that that's more the direction I find myself moving. Yes, yes, it's interesting because I that's the, that's my preferred word. Right, being <laughs> for many reasons. One, it's it's neutral. It doesn't carry any yes. spiritual, metaphysical, philosophical baggage. And the verb to be is just to exist, to be. Um, and the first person of the verb to be is I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so being could be literally translated in the first person as am, amming. Yeah. Amming. There is amming. And so, which in a way I think is more accurate than to say I am. We were saying earlier, I am. There is amming. There is amming. And that amming is intrinsically it is conscious. And the root word of conscious, by the way, is to know with. Con skios, yeah. the Latin con skios, yeah. to know with. So being is with knowing. The yeah, essence knowing. of being, the essence of being is with, it is with knowing of, it is with knowing, period. Okay, so, so that's the bit that I've ended up w wanting to challenge. Okay. Um, I've started thinking that the essence of being essence is the right word essay to be it's the essence <laughs> is simply being there is nothing else you know the 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 simplest quality which has evolved yeah. into all qualities yes is being not not being conscious not be, not being anything just right. the potentiality to become everything including conscious and that what's happening is that uh it's the level of the relationship of itself with itself, a very emergent level, actually a highly emergent level, where it starts to do have that relationship consciously. And it's going to move from uh, electrochemical relationships through basic biological relationships to sensory relationships to conceptual relationships in, and all of those and what we're experiencing now. And that actually... I've ended up, that's why I've ended up, uh, you, you probably remember when we've, I've talked before, I've always been much more, uh, more pro-individual than a lot of the non-dual folks. Mm -hmm. Because it feels to me like, and, and I feel that even more now, because it feels like, look, this, when I'm saying I am conscious, it's the, the, the individual, Tim, is that part of the universe which is able to be conscious of the universe and indeed now have a conversation with itself about the nature of the universe. And right. that, is, that is significant. Yes, yes, yes. I think I'm largely in agreement, parallel. Um, as I say, as soon as we say I am, I am conscious, etc. I, you know, but we know we, we know we have to deconstruct yeah. it a bit. Um, but then, are you saying that um, con awareing, in the sense of there being a subjective experience, an inner experience, is an emergent property of being, as opposed to an intrinsic property of being? Yes. Yes, that's the way. It, that's the way it looks to me, like it's and not just an emergent quality, but highly emergent quality, and that, um, and that's and that's why it, it's taken a long time to be conscious of being a body. Mm -hmm. It took longer to be conscious of being a psyche, and now through some people we get the glimpse of it being the whole universe, and you get that sort of. It, it, but it just seems like a very emergent state right. and something we're moving towards. Right. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I'm laughing because, you know, I mentioned my own um, shift, which was about 
four years ago. And I just realized, what do I know? Oh, God, I know that feeling. <laughs> and, you know, so here, it's like, here I am having a conversation with you. And we're talking about these very subtle points. You know, if it's emergent, is there some proto-awareness, which then, you know, we can go into this whole debate, you know, and I, my view might be slightly different from yours. And I had this experience one day, I was actually looking at a plant, and it was like, if you excuse my language, what the fuck do I know? It's just like, I am very good at arguing my position. I've written books about it, you know, like you, I can argue my position, and I can see where others are wrong, and I can put, you know, whatever it is. And I just thought, who knows? I don't know. It's a very interesting mind exercise. And I loved it. I played it. And to be honest, I haven't played it since then. And now I'm getting back into it with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have to confess uh, that for me, uh, I had exactly the same thing. I mean, I, I guess I've always had it. It's always felt like and there was at one point in my life, I used to get introduced at conferences as Mr. Mystery because I, you know, I just like, I don't think I've ever given a talk yet where I didn't start off by going, nobody knows what this is because <laughs> right. it just feels like that's where we start. And, and uh, I wrote a book called the mystery experience about, about exactly that. And, and because it is just so profoundly mysterious. And then what's happened for me is that, I've ended up feeling like, yeah, but how cool to make a stab at trying mm -hmm. and to shape, because it shapes my, me and it shapes the culture. And that's where I think, you know, your work has shaped the culture. And, 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 then, so, and then suddenly it's like, ah, it's a bit like the oneness and the individuality. My, I, I want to straddle both. Right. And it feels like that with the mystery and the story. It feels like, oh, I never want to lose that, that profound mm -hmm. sense of yeah and then within it there's this kind yeah. of like yes um and it's almost like accepting there is the mystery and you know rather than trying to solve the mystery is just it's a mystery it's a, and wonderful it's a mystery and i played in that mystery and then for me it's kind of like okay and it's like almost where we started with your very first question of what's up for me. It's like, and it's the within that, within the mystery of what is going on, is there this being here and its own journey of awakening? And what can what can facilitate that? And how can I, you know, share so where, that? Where is your journey, Peter? Now, how old are you, Peter? Apart from 27,000, let's stick with that. You're 27,516 days old. And right. that's that's quite a few days. And uh, I know, so I mean, you know, I got, it keeps changing as I get older. It really does dramatically. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like I'm looking back. I feel foolish a lot of the time and uh, uh, reevaluating things, which is, you know, and, and kind of embarrassed that it's taken me so long to see things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I want to say I'm made humble, but it feels like more like humiliation, really. It feels like, wow, I'm in my 60s and I'm only just seeing this. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. well 27,000 odd days means 75 years. And the You're reason, just to go back, so the reason I started you. counting in days is like, the day is actually a natural cycle. The year is a cycle, but it's like it's an external cycle. It's not really the cycle of consciousness. We see it, winter comes here in California, it's even less of a cycle. Winter, summer, you know, and we talk about years, because it's the cycle around the sun. 
But the actual real cycle is each day we go to sleep, we wake up a fresh day. And it's like, yeah. I've had 27 odd thousand of those. Some wonderful, some tumultuous, some, most of which I've totally forgotten, almost all of which I've totally forgotten. <laughs> and but it's just like, it, it's a way of just seeing the immensity of life. 75 years, it seems, oh yes, you know, maybe a few more years, but like 27,000 days, that's a lot a lot of experience gone in here and how 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 wisely i use them so coming back to your question what you know where am i now in twitter after 27,150 days i'm like you it's like it's always always evolving when when i first started getting interested let's call it spirituality it was meditation but I started reading the Upanishads, ancient because they're one of the classic treaties of ancient India. And that's where really it's the first place where we find the idea of a deeper true self. It's the first text we know where they started talking about that and the nature of consciousness. And you know, so I started reading about these things and the true self and this, and it's like, ah, if I keep meditating and doing this and doing that, then years to come, I will discover the true self, you know, whatever it is, some amazing, exotic, perhaps psychedelic, like overwhelming experience. So this is what they've discovered, something to attain. And that's just gradually got less and less and less and less and less. And it's like, where I am now, it's it's just the recognition of what is. And all that has gradually dropped away. And time and again, I consider it's like peeling away layers of the onion. There's been many times when I've sat you know, in meditation, particularly on meditation retreats, when the mind is really pretty quiet and still and just there. And it's like, ah, this is what they were talking about. Oh, and I see how wrong I got. And this is what they were talking about. Now I understand. And then, you know, three years later, it's like, oh, this is what they were talking Oh, <laughs> and then a bit later. So that's my experience. And along with that is not only, it's like, oh, and this is how simple it is and how difficult I was making at the beginning and how difficult we all yeah. make it. Yeah, I think it's part of our culture. If we don't succeed, try harder. If you're not awake, try harder. Do this, do this practice, meditate more, whatever it is, you know, take these supplements, whatever. <laughs> and it's like, no, it's that, it's that old, it's, I mean, the, it's that saying you probably know from, he was actually from Lin Chi, the founder of Chinese Zen, one of the founders of Chinese Zen, who said, nowhere to go, nothing to do, no one to be, which... I instantly loved and it's over time has seen there's like several different levels of that. You know, first of all, it's the description of what is reality. There is nowhere to try to get to, you know, with no, no one to be. And so there's actually nothing to do. And then there's the realization. The next level is, ah, that, yes, there is no, there is nothing to do. And it's the letting go of doing. And I, I drop back into being. And then sort of the third level is just, that's how you, that's how life then is. It's just the doing happens. The, be, the being is there, the doing happens. And there's no, there's no longer a Peter Russell to be that, I mean, that still goes on, but that's not who I am. That's not who I am. So that's what it's been for me. It's just a, 
peeling away the layers of the onion to see, you know, the smaller and smaller the center gets. So is that is that what your new book's about? Yes. Yeah. Let, let, I've got it written down here. Letting go of nothing. Relax Let your mind over the wonder of your true nature. So you've talked about the true nature there. We should maybe try and have another look at that concept. Um, but um, letting go of nothing. Yeah. I've got an idea of what you mean, but. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the essence is letting go. I mean, it's just like that is the. What, what do you mean by letting go? Letting go is. I mean, I kind of know what you mean, but, but just how would you? Right. Yeah. It's actually relaxing the holding on. I mean, it's not obvious, but we, we hold on to our beliefs, our views of right and wrong, to what we think will make us happy, to what happened in the past that was good or what we want in the future. Almost any experience, if we, you know, we, we judge what's happening in the world, it's the ongoing judgment. Is this good for me or bad for me? Will this make me happy or not? And we hold, basically, we're holding on to what we think will make us happy. And, it's, and what we're holding on to is a lens through which we see the world. It's like, this lens is like, how is this going to affect me? What do I need? What do I want? What's this person up to? So we're holding on. We're not holding on to things. You know, we think we're holding on to a thing, like I'm holding on to, I mean, I, I just had it with my books. You know, here I am in California. I've got a container load of books up in Scotland stored up in Fintor. It's like, I don't even know what's there, but I was holding on to them because one day when I moved back to England, I could have them there in my little cottage and have all my books back. It's like, what? Why? Oh, because I will feel better. I will feel better in my cottage. I've got my books around me. It's like, oh, and it's like, and with that, it's just like, okay, take them to some bookseller. I, I don't even know what's there. So I had a, I just tell you this because it'll make you laugh after doing that. When I was 20, four or something i ran away to this friary i just finished university and I, I ran away to a friary i ran away there before when i was 15 and i ran away again and this time thought about staying and you know really got involved with them and i had this dream one night where i, I could see my bedsit in bristol which is where i was living where i went to university and all the things in my room were taunting me and they were going you've got to come back for us we're your things you've got to yeah. come back for us we're your things right. and it always yeah. stuck with me that image of i'm gonna yeah. i've got to go back they're my things right <laughs> so yeah, yeah holding on okay so and what was... we're letting go what we're letting go of is basically a view of things it's a mindset it's how we see things so okay. we're not actually letting go of the things themselves and with the books it was actually okay i no longer possess them so there was that sense of letting them go yeah. but the real letting go was in my own mind was a change of mind and so what we're letting go of is not actually the things what we're letting go of is how we see things the mindset how, how we are looking at how we're interpreting things and that is not a thing in itself i mean we can say our thoughts are things our feelings are things because we can identify them but the lens through which we are seeing the world isn't actually a thing, it's the lens. And through the lens, we see things, whatever they are, uh, internal things, external things. But we're, what, so what we're letting go of is a way of seeing. So that's a no thing. So that's a sort of the word play in the title. We're letting go of a no yeah. thing, which is yeah. a mindset. We're not actually letting go of the things. We're letting yeah. go of how we see them. So in that sense, letting go of nothing. And there's other, you know, deep there's plays on nothing, not plays, but you know what we mean by nothing. But, but that's what it is. But to come back to your question, I think 
what I've come to is the realization that the essence of it is the essence, I think, of all spiritual practice in one way or another is letting go, letting go, which is releasing, releasing the judgments, the views we're holding. It's basically a, basically a change of mind. It's a change of mind. Do you, do you, I, I mean, I really resonate with the feeling of letting go. And I, I know, you know, that, um, you know, with, with so many situations I just had in the back corner of that room should be, uh, of my room should be my uh, electric guitar that I was given as an 18 year old by my parents, which someone just walked in and stole uh, a few weeks ago. And you could see that, oh, I've had that for 40 something years. And, yes. uh, and that, now it's gone. And, and, and I really get the letting go thing. It's, uh, I, I'd like to understand it a little bit more though. Um, is it, is another way of saying the same thing or is it different to talk about uh, the fluidity of paying attention uh, in the sense that, you, you know, I, I completely get that kind of like, you know, we, 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 we're cons we view what's good for us, what's good, but, but it, it's kind of, but we need to do that, don't we? It's like, I've just had my girl here, she's 21 now, and I'm looking out for her the whole time. I'm constantly judging, is she safe? Does she need yeah, something, yeah, is yeah. it all right? I don't want to let go of that, but I don't no. want to be stuck in it either. And I don't right. want to reach anxiety. Right. I move into it when it's appropriate, move into something else, and now I want to move into this with you. And is, yeah, it, is, yeah. is that another way of? It is, and it's, it's not to say we should let go of everything at all okay. um but you know being attached to certain things you know having strong beliefs about things can be important being attached to um what we you know what we're going to do in some way can be useful and and there's time to let go of it but it's more seeing how uh, holding on to stuff is often unnecessary and totally gets in the way yeah yeah, and what you just said then, Peter, sorry, but I, I want you to continue, but, but what you just said then for when you said it, it can be important and then there's a time to let go of it. Yeah. And, that, and it feels like that's, that's, that, that's what I kind of mean by the fluidity, is yeah. that when you can spot, you, you, know, what, you know, what I went through, uh, whatever it was, eight years ago, the death of my parents, and there came a point where all of that attention, which was so focused, I just had to let it go. Yeah. And because they'd gone and yeah. and it's that kind of but before that i needed to be very very focused and and yeah. but if i carried that with me then it would become this other thing which is what i right. think, like you're pointing out yeah and so yeah what i'm you know part of what the book is about is how do we do that okay when we, when we want to when we feel there's something that's actually holding us back that's unnecessary yeah. something we're stuck in and that's when yeah. people you know, you say, oh, I just wish I could let go of this. We feel there's something we're stuck in something. Yeah. People say to us, just let go. And that's when, we, and then we start treating uh, letting go as something we have to do. And we say, oh, I just can't let go. I've tried it. I can't do it. And so, and where I've come to in my own just, I've been fascinated by this thing of letting go for a long time. It's just, it's a relaxing of the grip the mind is having on something. It's like the mind has got gripped onto something. And I use the very simple analogy, you know, if you're holding, holding a stone up in the air, you know, you're gripping it with your hand, you, you'll stay gripping it, you're holding it there. To let go, almost the first thing that happens is you notice the tension in your hand, you notice that. And then when you notice how the muscles are, 
may only be a fraction of a second, you can begin to relax the muscle and the letting go happens. And so I, what I found is not so, letting go isn't so much something you do, but you undo the holding on by becoming aware of how it's gripping the or how the mind is gripped, the effect of that, what it's creating, the tension, and then opening up to the actual experience of what's going on rather than what we tend to do with, you know, say we're holding on to some upset about somebody. Um, what we tend to do is try to get rid of it. We, and that's what we want. We want to be free of it. I mean, that's the goal. We want to be free of this upset. And so we think, you know, I won't let it in. That way I'll be free. I'll push it to the back of my mind. I get on with something else. I'll be free of it. Or we think of some, you know, distract ourselves. What I found over the years is the opposite is to actually let the experience in. If we're holding on to something, start noticing what's actually happening. And particularly in the body, I always say, come back to the body first. It's easy to go into our minds. That's where we tend to do. That's where our society goes. Like I'm holding on. Why am I holding on? What, what not? And we get into our heads about it, but just come back to the body and notice what is actually happening here. And oh, there's some resistance here, or my, you know, I'm tense here. Whatever it is, and being curious, what else is going on? It's like becoming friends with the feeling, just going deeper and deeper. What's really going on here? And as we do. It's like, you know, noticing the grip in the muscles in the hand, as we begin to notice that, it begins to soften just by bringing it into our awareness. And it's what, what Carl Jung said, what you resist persists, meaning what you push to the back of your consciousness stays there and it's controlling you still unconsciously or making you tense or something. Do the opposite, let it in. So the first thing, I, you know, is, is letting in what's going on letting it in and letting in, first of all, what's going on in the body, just letting it in, being curious of what it is, and then not trying to change it. The second stage for me is letting it be, not trying to change what's going on. If you notice something in the body, it's like, ah, oh, that's interesting. There's a tension here. Oh, how, what's that tension feel like? Oh, how interesting. Well, okay, I've got to relax that tension. Let it be. And it's in the letting be that there's certain sort of, I mean, there's almost like a metabolism. It's like a sort of, Psychic, we're talking about metabolism in the body. It's like a metabolism. Things start to digest themselves and release themselves and soften. And so that, that for me, it's like it's this beginning to feel the holding on so that you can allow it, you can allow the letting go to begin to happen on its own. Beautifully put. It was a moment where you were talking, actually, it was quite early on, and you talked about relaxation. And I just, relax my body <laughs> which i mean i'm sitting here i'm animated I'm talking to you but i just as you were talking i just just and felt that poof. and how yeah. easily it happens actually how quickly it can just go poof and then could yeah. feel oh yeah and it is the same isn't it with the mind just like you go the body you go oh yeah um, i can just oh oh yeah. that's nice and in the yeah. same way you can just oh that's yeah and it's interesting, the word relax, I'm always going back to the etymologies of words. It means yeah, me too. All to, the time. Be, to be loose again. Relax means is that to what it be, means? Oh, of course, yeah. relax, yes, of course. Relax, relax yeah. is loose. Yeah, loose, yeah. So to be loose again. To be loose again. To be and loose again, rather than holding on, rather than be uptight. And that's what it is, the muscles become loose again, but we become loose again in our being. It's becoming in, loose. In, again. Inside and in the body and in the psyche. Yes, yes. And even in our being. You know, being, it's like just allowing a, ah, yeah. 
it's yeah it's a very powerful thing isn't it i often i often think about how if i've had it written down on the top of my list of things to contemplate for a while of the the the, the, the one of the great ways with all of this is the body because i could, if i there's a very particular bodily state which accompanies when i'm most deep awake you know it just i can just it's very ooh. and sometimes it just feels like well just go for that because <laughs> it comes with it just go for that yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. and yeah and yeah. The, the 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 psyche changes with it rather than the other way around yeah. yeah yeah it's the doorway to so much yeah beautiful so that makes me want to ask you, if you don't mind, about the big letting go. Um, as I'm sure, as philosophy is meditation on death, and you're 75, uh, that you've been meditating on death uh, for some time. Um, what, 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 what do you think? What do you think about that? Ah, um, well, it comes back to the big don't know. <laughs> In terms of you know, in terms of what happens after this body goes, I I wouldn't say I have no idea. I have my suspicions, but basically I don't know. And what's I don't, your, think, what's, what's and I don't think anybody else knows really. Oh, no, I mean, I, do you completely? I, I I'm with you. I, I think that about everything. But but in that spirit, do you have you know two things? I guess really, um, partly from a personal point of view, from someone who you know someone who's further down the road than I am, and I'm heading in that direction. I'm not sure about that, just because you're so many days younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, you know, what, what do you, um, how do you, what is your suspicions? And then how do you think about it personally or with your... Right, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think all that we identify ourselves with goes this peter russell individual personal self goes it's it's all built up on what i've experienced in this lifetime and what is stored in memories etc and all, all this stuff when so i believe when the brain dies this sense of personal constructed self just dissolves it disappears and so what is left is you know in your terms being so it's like a dissolving back into being. And I find near-death experiences are interesting in this aspect because, you know, there's many different types. But underneath them all, there's that sense of just feeling so at ease, so at peace, and lovingness, either just feeling feeling love, being surrounded by love, or being love. I think that that is part of our natural beingness. And... The individual personal self, the ego mind, is there to help us survive in life. It's there to get us through, whether it's surviving physically, surviving socially, whatever it is. And suddenly you're faced with the fact that its job is done. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's over. There's no job for the ego mind to do anymore because... You know, Why does it do that job, Peter, in your way of thinking? It, it feels a bit like, well, what's the point of that? If, you're, if, you, if that's what we already are... What, what, what's the point of having a having to negotiate life at all? I think, for, first of all, it's it's a biological thing. I mean, I think the, you know, what is the goal of life? I think the goal of every single organism is to survive. That's mm -hmm. its goal. Yeah. Seek safety, seek nourishment, whatever it is. Its goal, it, the organism's goal is to survive. Period. That's it. 
And so there's a way, you know, the ego mind, what I call the ego mind, is a way of thinking that's looking out for what's going to help me survive. And that's yeah. very, very important, very, very necessary. And, you know, but most of the time... Oh, sorry. Sorry. I, sorry, I didn't want to... Try. I just want to re-clarify. But if what I'm trying to get at with the question is if we're already... If we have a true nature, it's what we already are. We're already, you know, we return to being. Why bother with what, what's the biology about? What's the having needing an ego mind about needing to survive? What's all that seems superfluous in some way. Uh, I wonder if we're heading in. I was trying to get there from maybe another perspective. Okay, okay. I shouldn't have interrupted you, Peter. You, you right. just go. You just go. I was going to say, you know, I think having this biological urge to survive, we we wouldn't be alive without it. You know, no. we we die as soon as our parents stop caring for us, we'd be dead. It's yeah. absolutely necessary. It's fundamental to all life. Then it gets misdirected into all these other things, you know, as social survival and all of that. And so that way of thinking comes in and begins to dominate our lives. And in that way, there is, there is no point to it. It's just getting in our way. It's creating upset. It's create, leading us to do strange things in the world, all of that. It, it starts just, it starts getting in the way of life. So, and it's something we are conditioned into. And I think the fundamental belief behind it is if you're not happy, in order to be happy, you have to have the world be the right way. That's the fundamental belief, and it's conditioned into us from the moment we're born by our parents, because they know no better, by education, by movies, by advertising, everything is reinforcing this belief. In order to be happy, you've got to have and do the right things. And coming back to the survival, if we're surviving, if everything is okay, we feel good. And, and that, that to me is what true nature, the true nature of the mind is when everything is okay, we feel okay inside. And it, we, we are continually making ourselves feel unokay, discontent. And so we, we get into this treadmill, you know, that's what samsara is, that continually wandering on, looking, looking for the next thing and some temporary satisfaction, and then we look on. So we get caught up in this treadmill. And, you know, in a way, in a way you're right, beyond the, survival of the physical organism we don't really need to do anything except just look after look after this body and flow with the world that would be the ideal but i think you know understanding that is one thing but because we are i am you know so much conditioning and other things it's a huge web that i am you know gradually taking apart and working my way through in order to be, be living that beingness more. Is, so understanding it is one thing, but there's, for me, there's the whole journey of then living that. And I say for me, because I know that, you know, there's some people, I know you had your own awakening experience, which drastically changed things, and people like Eckhart Tolle, who just, you know, there's people who do awaken. And I think, you know, you are fortunate in some ways. And, and yet, I think for most of us, and for me, it's a gradual process of, you know, I say peeling away the layers of the un, whatever. So, so what I was going to say initially about the near-death experience is when the ego mind realizes the survival thing is over, this job is done, we start tasting how it is 
when that's all gone, when my personality stuff has gone, we start tasting the beingness. And it's interesting because in Hindu thought, they call death the Maha Samadhi. Samadhi is, you know, that dropping into the stillness of meditation, that, that Samadhi, which we all, you know, hear about, and we all aspire to in some way or another, like, can I drop into that pure self Samadhi? And they think that is training for the Maha Samadhi, which means the great Samadhi, which is the final Samadhi when you, yeah, drop back into being. But, you know, what happens after that? I still have absolutely <laughs> no idea. I have no idea. But it's interesting. You know, you say I studied, you know, I did. I spent a few years back. Each birthday, I take a birth week. And just to contemplate life, where I am, what's going on, and different things. It's a completely different theme every year. And two years ago, a very close friend, one of my best friends had just died. And I decided, okay, this week, my birth week is to contemplate death. And so I did. and looked at it from many different aspects, you know, my own concerns, my own fears, and what were they about, and what did I think, and so much, and realizing, you know, how avoidance of death just runs our life in many ways, and you know, so many different aspects. And at the end of it, the conclusion that I came out, I just wrote two words at the end of it, live life. Live life. Well, that's yeah. two very deep words and, yeah. and beautiful. I want to, I want to try. I mean, I'm aware we've been talking for 50 minutes, and and and, um, but I want to, I want to just try out an idea on you, Peter, which is kind of different, and mm -hmm. just to see what you make of it. Because again, I kind of, I'm aware that I've I've moved quite a long way from that kind of more Hindu. Yeah. view of things and although i was completely immersed in it for ages and my, my, so one of the key one of the key ideas I, i'm going to try and say it really quickly and if i don't make much sense i apologize but if one of the one of the key things that's been striking me is about the past and uh taking an ideas these are not original ideas but um that, you, that go back to charles purse and rupert sheldrake and various others it feels like what when i look at this moment the thing that strikes me about it is it's always realizing a new potential. It's, it's something that never has happened before. And it's implicit within it is everything that's happened previously. Mm -hmm. It would be what this is if it wasn't for everything that happened from the Big Bang and maybe before that. that the, and that the, therefore the past hasn't passed. It's accumulated. The information of the past is still here. And in that way, it feels like, oh, the universe is made of the past. That's what's running it. That's what it's... That's what it's that's it's it's it, how it functions it's accumulating information everything that's come into form has formed and yes. then something new is forming so yeah. from that place I, the place i've started wondering is two things which which in which impact on what you were just saying one is oh then i'm made of the past so who am i well as an individual i'm everything i've ever been or experienced and so right now everything tim's ever been is meeting everything peter's ever been and that, where that's taken me to is that rather than being a true nature, which we've kind of fallen from, or we need to return to, or that this is some sort of superfluous thing, or even in the way of, it feels like all of that accumulation, all that evolution 
has been to reach more emergent states for which this is the foundation and that the death might be more than a t- returning of the drop to the sea, which kind of makes being the drop kind of irrelevant or meaningless or like what a waste of time being a drop or but that are actually that the, the the 14 billion years of evolution of individuating into individual forms conscious of having deeper and more emergent relationships with itself is continual it's like there's more to it and that that actually the actually the really important thing is the continuation of peter and that through Peter, or the greater thing which Peter is an aspect of, but an individual, um, the whole thing, the one, the universe, is able to experience these deeper aspects of what it is, which feels like a true nature, but it's, it's really the, just the nature of everything, mm-hmm. which individual needs to experience. And that therefore that is, um, that are, are and, and that, so the biological journey, because what strikes me is like, yeah, I do get that stuff that we've been conditioned and all that stuff. But, you know, animals, they get up in the morning, they eat the grass, eat the grass, eat the grass, eat the grass. And, you know, it's like everything. And we've come out of that. So it seems like almost the other way, opposite way around, not that we've been pulled down and conditioned, but we're, we're waking up from just being natural, which is worry, worry, worry. And we've created a world where we don't have to yeah. so much. And or we develop a lifestyle where we don't need to, like a monk or something, and that allows us to explore these more emergent states. And so that these are the these are where we're going rather than where we've come from. And that death mm-hmm. is a chance to go deeper into them. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying, and I I get that. I, I would I would not disagree with that at all. And maybe yeah, they're two different. You know, I don't think there's any one absolute right way to look at things and so I think you know what you're saying I get that and in a way and I suppose the way I would you know interpret that relationship to death is this personal identity I have which has been built on you know my personal life I don't think that personal identity survives but you know, there's a way in which you know what I immediately thought of is like the information that has been my life and all of that that is there and that is that is part of the unfolding information in the cosmos. Yes. Um, I was more talking about, I don't think I as individual Peter Russell identity, which has got constructed in this body, in this life. I don't think that continues. I think that's where a lot of the fear of death comes from, but yes, I, I, I resonate with what you're saying. I mean, ultimately, you know, coming back to one of the questions you asked at the beginning, I think what is the ultimate nature of reality? I think it's information. Yeah. Me too. Inf- inf- me too. Yeah. Everything else, everything else is an interpretation, a model we have put upon it. Atoms, that's yeah. just an idea we have in the mind. You know, an electron is just the certain bits of information, one of which we call mass, another we yeah. call charge, another we call spin. It's just information. They don't, you know, they're just labels we put on things to make us in order that we can understand and work with the information. All there is ultimately is there is this this field of being, this vast field of being, which is information, it's intricately interwound information at the finest level, and the unfolding of the universe is how that information interacts with itself. And so that is all there is, is this vast unfolding field of information. And then this field of information, 
takes in the information from around its, its environment, and then the field of information we call the brain processes it all. That information, information is processing the information, and out of it comes this. Wow, the colors, the sounds, the, this. And this, this is how information appears in consciousness. Information in consciousness appears as all of this, my total experiences. Is, and so information, the time information takes form is when it is known. I've just put out a video in which I've attempted to say exactly what you've just said. And, and I, I, I have yet to speak to anyone, Peter, who has said what I've been exploring as uh, clearly and is with such similarity, even of the, of the way that I've ended up trying to say it. So that's been remarkable. Thank you. That was beautifully put. And I think you answered uh, in or gave one answer to the question we started with yeah right there yeah i think and 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 one that i i just have so much sympathy for um because it enables everything to come together into one understanding yeah but the yeah. the the fray the, the 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 two thoughts which have been really pushing me to grow in how i understand and how i experience because as i as i understand differently i experience it differently including the awakened states. I understand, mm -hmm. I, as, I, as my understanding of those changes, they change yeah. as being these two things. One, one thought was, what if everything has evolved? Everything, With, without exception, anything which has form of any type is evolving information. So like you've just said. So a field of being, a field contains information, it's defined by how it's informed, which is all these different levels of information all interacting. So the phrase which has been like, I've been, has been, what if this is the one in relationship with itself in a process of realizing potentiality on ever more emergent levels? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's what has got us from hydrogen to you and me having this conversation. Yeah. Yes. Very much. Yeah. It is a, a field of information knowing itself. Yeah, yeah. And it, is, it has evolved better and better ways or more complex ways of knowing itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, I think, we'd, I think that's it. I think we should leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go back to into the fine details and, you know, <laughs> what, how did my grandmother affect me? But anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much. Um, Great, Tim. Really enjoyed it. About time we had a good chat. Good it chat. really is. Let's yeah. do it again. Yeah.